and welcome back to the Profile Pod. I'm your host, Double A, back for another spectacular episode. Man, we got a, another, another good one, like we always do. Um, we got my man standing by. Uh, but before we get to our, our guest, don't forget to follow me on Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Man, it's all good. I, I, I love the... Um, the interaction. I love the feedback, the input. Tell me what you think about the podcast, man. I gotta, I gotta know what's up, man. I gotta know what you guys are thinking out there, but you guys show a lot of love. So I really appreciate all the support, all the love out there, man. So uh, yeah, don't forget to, to, to leave me a rate and review on Apple podcasts as well. And um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, you know, we do this every week, man. We, we do the little housekeeping items and I like to kind of, uh, you know, give some shout outs here and there, show some love and, um, if you haven't uh, heard my announcement, I will. I was uh, landed a part on the uh, what's the production that's called the Stationary Bike, directed by Alana Walters. It's actually uh, based on a Stephen King short story called the Stationary Bike. So I'm really excited about that. that was my big announcement that I was uh, I posted on Instagram, but I I mentioned it last week, and uh, so it, you know I appreciate a lot of all the. Uh, the support there and the love you guys have shown for that. So I'm getting back into my acting stuff, man. And it's, I'm really excited about that. So um, it's, it's a, I should be it's a, in a small role, it's a small part, but nonetheless, I'm back in the game, baby, back in the game. So that's exciting, man. Don't forget about Social Nostra, a fresh new video network featuring up and coming creators and influencers who are making moves online and in the real world. Uh, go check out Social Nostra, go give us a follow. Uh, we, you know, there's, fe- there's featured actors, musicians, sports stars, social media influencers. We got everything, man. We got everyone on the, on the network. So a little bit of everything for everyone, man. We're on IGTV, Samsung, Roku, and all the major platforms. So check out Social Nostra, man. So let's get to uh, my man here standing by. This gentleman is uh, born and raised in Fresno, California. He hails out of the 559 representing to the fullest man which i love about him because he uh, he keeps it real and he, he, he definitely represents for his hometown and uh so he's a hip-hop recording artist he's been in the game for a long time now and um you know he's he's got a very cool story and he's here to tell us all about it ladies and gentlemen please welcome for the first all oh, second time here on profile pod my man mc wicks what's up brother what up, what up, what up? Thank you for having me, man. MC Wiggs, Fresno, California. You know what it is. Peace to Ocho Studio. Peace to everybody out there doing their thing, you know, making it happen. Absolutely, bro. As you are, man, you're making it happen, bro. And um, yeah, man, I, I you know, I want to thank you again, man, for coming on, taking the time, man. It's always an honor having, you know, a, a guest on, come on, taking time out of their day and out of their, you know, their lives. And it's just an honor, man. So Appreciate you, man. How's everything been going for you, man? I see you've been hustling. You're doing your thing. Yeah, it's been going good, man. Better than ever this year. Started off really strong. I got my first, like, big hip-hop placement. I got on uh, Casual's album of Hieroglyphic. Mm. And the song I got on is, like, it's just, it's a posse cut. So there's a bunch of legends, and I'm just, I'm squeezed right in the middle, and I'm like, I don't even know how I got in the middle of this situation but it's a blessing but the song on the album casual's new album is called the art of reanimation the song that i'm on is track four it's called the art of science my bad it's called the gift of science i said that wrong 
It's okay. called The Gift of Science, featuring Casual, Pesto, Planet Asia, Tri-State, Ghostface Killer, and Killer Priest. Holy so, uh, All on that yeah, track? Those, those are like, uh, I got two people on my top five in there, you know what I mean? So, and wow. everybody on the record is a legend that they all been doing it for like years and years and years and years. So it was a blessing for me to get on that, man. Shout out to Dead Perry. That's the producer. He reached out to me and um, I sent the verses in and it made the cut, you know? That's amazing, brother. Congratulations on that. Uh, yeah. And is that song out yet or not yet? Yeah, it's out. It's out on all platforms right now. If you type in casual, okay, um, the gift of science, it'll pop up. Oh man, hey, but you know what, man, you, you you deserve to be on there, brother. I mean, you you you've been putting in work. I know you've been in the game now for 13, 14 years, and uh, you know you're 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 a lyricist straight up, man. You represent hip hop to the fullest, and yeah, I think it's uh it's appropriate for you to be there within those guys. I mean, amongst those guys, and and because you know, yeah, man, you're you're doing it, man. You're, you're legit, man, and I love what you do, brother. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, it's, it's it's a crazy feeling, you know, like when when they first reached out to me and they showed me the track list, because originally I just knew it was going to be casual, Planet Asia and Tri-State. That's all I knew. So when they sent me the, the artwork back and I seen Ghostface Killer and Killer Priest on there, huh. I didn't hear nobody's verses either. So like, I just heard the beat and I just sent it in and when I seen the whole lineup, I was like, wow, I can't wait to hear what this sounds like. Wow. And um, the producer, he sent, he sent me the song um, probably about a few days before the album came out. But yeah, it was crazy, man. And I was really worried too, I'm not gonna lie. When I seen the lineup, I was worried about like, am I gonna sound like I belong there? Am I gonna sound <laughs> out of place? Or am I gonna get like obliterated? Or am I gonna be able to like, down on my own, but I definitely, I definitely sound like I'm supposed to be on that record. So it's dope. Yeah, it's absolutely. Blessing, absolutely, man. That that is super cool, man. Yeah, you definitely belong, man. You you definitely got the lyrics, the skills, man, the skill set. And, and, and so how does that work? Does the producer send you the the, the beat, and then and then you kind of, uh, you know, rap over the beat, or you know. You drop your bars. How does that work typically, brother? I usually write. I usually write to the beat. Um, okay. I try to tailor tailor fit all the rhymes. You know, definitely tailor fit all the rhymes to the beats. I'm real picky with the beats and the production. Like a lot of people that like my music, you know what I mean. A lot of them like my music solely on the fact that I know I know good good music. I know good beats. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I always got to write to the beat because I think. I'd say I, when I rap, I got conviction and I got passion and I got energy, you know, and that's what really my swagger and my aura and my spirit is really what makes me stand out. As far as like lyricism goes, I feel like I'm decent. I feel like that could grow a little bit more, but everything around it to like pretty much dress it up and make it look right. I got that all jam packed. So. I, I always been about the beats. I always favored the beat over the rhymes in, in in a crazy sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, who who did you grow up? I mean, who were some early influences for you, Wix? Before you even got into the game, man, and before I mean, when you were 
you know, before you got into the game, uh, who were some some of those uh, MCs that you were like just looking up to, man, and, and loving? A big one was uh, Neck Bro. Okay. Like I like I told you uh, off the air and stuff. When I first got into rapping and rhyming, I was um, I was into like hardcore music, like a lot of gory, crazy music. And <laughs> Neck Bro, he seemed to be like the goriest of all of them that I knew of. You know the craziest of all of them. Everything I do is to the extreme. Like I want it at the highest level, highest elevation. You know, if I want to listen to soulful music, I got to rock with the most soulful per person on the planet or hip hop, the most hip hop person on the planet. But I feel like Necro was that. I listened to Necro a lot in the beginning, Brother Lynch. And then I got into like Big Al, Ghostface, Biggie, Big Pun, and Nas. And uh, for sure, big shout out to Planet Asia. Planet Asia was a major influence as well, you know. Out Especially for the, yeah, out of, out of the hometown. And, and he's uh, he's been in the game for 20 years. And I definitely got a lot of, a lot of influence. And I took a lot of notes out of his page, for sure. Definitely. For sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah he's... he's uh... Yeah, Planet Asia's been, he's done a lot of big things, man, as you know. And, and yeah, like I, I didn't know he was from Fresno until recently. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's cool, man. And uh, what, what about it? Did you listen to any other genres, Wix, or was it, was it purely hip hop growing up, man? When I was younger, like I had a lot of older brothers and sisters, so I was influenced by some of the things they listened to. Okay. But like we were listening to like Nine Inch Nails, Red Hot Chili Peppers, like, Marilyn Manson, that was like one of my brothers. And then one of my sisters was listening to like Motown, like Odie's, like Britain Wood and all, all, all the wow. Odie's, the classic Odie's and stuff. And um, then I had like a hippie sister that was listening to like the Beatles and the Doors. <laughs> and then we had a little bit of West Coast gangster, like G-Funk. A lot of gangster rap was like my early early stuff too, like NWA and Ice Cube and Tupac. Well, that was when I was a little little kid. I used to listen to hit them up every single day after school. I didn't even know who Biggie Smalls was back then, but I, I would I'll play that on repeat. That's like the best diss track of all all time. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, big, big time, man. Oh yeah, man. You know what? Though, speaking of diss tracks, man, you made me just think of, uh, you know, the one where um, Cypress Hill did of, of Ice Cube. Oh, uh, uh, what did they call that? Um, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I believe it's on Temple of Boom that album. And it's on that one for sure. I've seen that on that DVD, that Beef DVD. Oh, but yeah, that's, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, Ice Cube, man. Shit. No Vaseline. That's a crazy one, too, right there. The It's crazy because uh, this track with the most replay value in history of all time, in my opinion, because people play it at a barbecue still to this day, like, like it's a regular song to hang out to, or they'll play it at, like, a party or a hip-hop event. Uh -huh. Like it's a regular, like like it's a regular song, like a classic, but um, Easy E, like real motherfucking G's, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, counted city G's, man. That's true. That, that, that gets the most replay value to this day. You can listen to that and not even be in the mood to like listen. Yeah. To um, get a diss track, you could just play like a regular song. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what is where does MC Wix come from, brother? That that title, that name. Well, MC means master of ceremony. Right. Move the crowd, microphone controller, and um. That was pretty much the standard and the foundation of rap. So I know that's like more of like a a late 70s, 80s kind of thing, but I wanted to live up to that. And I always wanted to stay true to the roots and stay true to the history. So I put MC in my name as a reminder of what I got to be and what I got to do and a standard to keep. And Wix, like I said earlier, I was into like a lot of violent crazy, like dark, gory kind of rap. Uh-huh. I guess Wix is like another way of saying wicked. Okay. And my early raps were crazy, man. Shock value. I was a little crazy ass kid, you know what I mean? I, I matured and my raps changed a lot. Like a full 360, but in the beginning, it was about being the most shocking, the most controversial, the most violent, like... Uh-huh. I was really trying to push the envelope right there <laughs> with some uh, craziness and stuff back in the days. Were you very um, kind of descriptive with your with your with your lyrics, telling you know, oh, telling, yeah. telling stories of, of gory stuff or what? You know, give, can you give us an example? Oh man, I don't even remember any of those lyrics, but like, <laughs> I really don't remember them because it's so long ago that I rap like that. Yeah. But like. It was very, very, very like, well, what Necro does when he raps is he gets like, he could paint like a picture, like a full pivot, vivid picture, like talking about like intestines coming out and blood everywhere and all kinds of craziness. Like he could kind of like take you okay. there with his words. But I that's, that's the kind of shit I was trying to do. But honestly, now that I got older, I, I, I went back and I listened to a lot of those records I used to listen to and some of them are too violent and too descriptive and, and too extreme where it almost makes me feel like it makes me feel uncomfortable. Wow. And I was like, damn, I used to listen to that, like, like casual, casual listening and stuff. At breakfast or something. <laughs> yeah. I would just listen to that, like throughout my day, just real normal. Like, and, um, yeah. some of the records I could still listen to. But there's there's a chunk of them where I'm like, oh, I can't even play that. I cannot even turn that on. Not that is there's no talent there. It's just it's too much. It's crazy. Really? But yeah. I don't know. I guess when I, when you're a kid, you're into other things and stuff, you know. Yeah, no doubt, man. You know, I I just thought of something uh, when it comes to uh, the, the gore. You know, lyrics that are, are are gory and kind of grotesque and, and telling stories about these. Um, you know, um, for example, cannibalism and stuff like that. I don't know if you heard of Freestyle Fellowship. Yeah, shout oh. out to Freestyle Fellowship for sure. They're innovators uh, on the West Coast. Yes. And they're one of the first albums is back in the early 90s called Inner City Griots. And on that album, man, they're very vivid, very descriptive about, of, of cannibalism and, and uh, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, back, you know, I was 18, 17, 18 years old listening to that back in the day. And I didn't really think about much of it, you know, like, 
we're talking about eating people and stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, now that I think about it, I'm like, damn, that was, they were, I mean, that was ahead of their time, bro. Like, who does that, you know? I was just like, I don't know. At least from my experience, I was kind of uh, super, like you said, they're innovators, man, straight up. Yeah. Yeah, they're innovators. Um, They come out of this thing called the Good Life Cafe. That was like a workshop for like uh, up and coming artists and the youth. They had it in like at a health food store. I seen a documentary about it, and um, oh. the the owners would have an open mic uh, certain day, and everybody would come through. And the rules were you couldn't cuss or you couldn't be sexual or vulgar or any, anything crazy like that. So, uh-huh. um. They were figuring out ways to like talk about sexual stuff metaphorically, oh. or stuff metaphorically. Like they're getting really creative, and um, <laughs> they they were big on like originality and not copying. Like even to facial expressions and and hand movements and vocal tones and um, pauses in the raps. Like they're watching like very very closely and being critical, and because because of that there is a lot of originality and original styles formed there mm. and um it was crazy because the open mic in the documentary they say that it was getting it, it was called the good life uh open mic they was said it LA? was getting i'm sorry yeah, in LA, underground uh-huh. la stuff um, okay i think it was on slauson or something like that I, I might be wrong don't call me on that but it was getting so big and so packed out and so popular that A&Rs from like record labels would come and they would actually come in there and they would be like, have a tape recorder and their like coat on their jacket and they'll press record and they'll stand by the speaker the whole show. And then they would take it to, they would take it to like the big office or label or office, whatever it is. And they would play it and they would listen to it. And if there is a style they like, they go, oh, that style right there. Okay, we're going to take that. We're going to give it to our biggest artist that earns the most money. And we're going to tell them that's what you got to do. And wow. they they were like, they're really stealing yeah. from the underground. Um, yeah, they're stealing from the underground. Instead of signing the artist, Damn. they're like, we're going to just take your style and give it to our artists that we know could sell 500 units, 500,000 units are a million or whatever yeah. it is, you know? And, um, but a lot of people bit, bit their style from that. You should watch that documentary. It's crazy. What, what's that documentary called? It's called, um, the good life, the good life cafe or something. Or the good life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's called the good life. It's on Netflix right now. I'm pretty sure. Oh, shit. they put it on there recently. It's a really good, it's a really good, it's a really good documentary. Wow. That's a great story, man. I, I've never heard of that. I never heard of that. You know, you know, growing up down here and also it was like more underground, like you said, underground scene. Yeah. Yeah. They said, uh, volume 10 inspired, like one of ice cube styles, mm. like that gorilla in the mist, like gorillas in the mist. Like he oh. would say that last word and like stretch it out in the mist. I'm a killer gorilla. That was, that was volume 10. That was his style. Oh. And then, you know, Ice Cube 
they get it. They get it to the to the cor- the corporations get their hands on it somehow, some way. But not knocking Ice Cube either, though. Ice Cube is one of the greatest of all time for sure. Oh yeah, no doubt. But they definitely like, took uh, influence from uh, Volume Ten, like without a doubt. Like it's very it's it's clear as day that they took some influence for that particular style. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I got to check that documentary out, brother, man. Uh, you know, so, man, you, you've been in the game now, for, uh, what, 14 years now? 14 years, man. 14 years. And I know you mentioned, you know, on, on, uh, I heard you mention that you, there were moments, there were times where you felt like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think I might just give it up, man. You know, give up the mic and just you know, move on to something else. What what kept you going, bro? What what kept you what kept that fire burning to to stay in the game to continue to to hone your craft and what why didn't you quit? There's a few reasons, but um, one of the biggest biggest uh, reasons I believe, and it, it comes back to like believing in myself, which is crazy because even when you want to quit, you still got that faith or that hope there, but. Mm-hmm. A big reason is like outside of rap, one of my goals is to have at least three revenue streams. I want to, we've been, we've been for generations, my family, we've been like financially locked in, 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 in cuffs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Financially stuck in poverty, financially locked up in these, in, in these shackles, staying in the same place. And I wanted a break that generational cycle and I wanted to have like three businesses, three revenue streams. That's where I'm going to start, you know? And I, I thought about how, how could I do that? And I wasn't really the greatest in school. So I was like, okay, well, college might not be it. Mm. And the nine to five in is cool. And I'm not, I'm not, that's needed actually. A lot of people think that I'm hard on the uh, nine to fivers, but in reality, if you come from nothing and you get a nine to five and you put that money to the side and you invest it into your own business, eventually you'll buy your way into freedom. Yeah. And that's what I was doing with rap for a while. I was working and throwing that money in rap and throwing that money in rap until the point came where I had to make a choice, work or rap. And I went with rap, but The biggest thing that made me keep going is I really felt like I wanted to quit, but I still wanted to keep that goal of having multiple revenue streams. And I was thinking, how else could I do it? What other angle could I do it with? And I really do believe if I ever do make that dream come true, it has to be through rap. I have to have a good year in rap where I make a crazy, ridiculous amount of money. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I have that good year, I have to immediately invest my money. And it's crazy because yeah. I've been a struggling artist or a starving artist for a long time. And if I ever see like a $500,000 check or I have a year where I accumulate mm-hmm. 200000 or something like that, you would think since I've been in poverty my whole life and struggling as far as trying to be an independent artist, you'd think that I would splurge or I would celebrate and I'd use it all right away, like on something that brought like comfort. But nah, as soon as when I see that first big check, I'm immediately, I'm immediately invest. Like 
probably like 60, 70% of it. Yeah. And I'm going to still live casual. I'm going to live casual for like, I'm going to invest like 70% of it, probably live off of like 30 and have to be casual for like five years. Yeah. And then my money, then I'll be stable because there'll be more money than just rap. But the, the biggest thing was that, like I wanted to break the generational curse and I wanted, I want to buy my mom a house and, that's another thing too, you know, you want your peer, your parents to, to know that you're going to be all right, you know, financially, you want them, you want them to, you, you want them to worry about you the least, you know, you don't want them to worry about you at all. So that's another reason why I go kind of hard and stuff too, because I want my mom to be more at peace, you know, when she gets older and, and you know, shit, we only got one life. So whenever it's people's time to go. I think the best thing you could do is try to give them the least amount of worries as possible. And yeah, I feel like rap is a vehicle for that. I don't see it happening any other way. You know, I'm not an athlete. I'm not super, super educated, mm -hmm. but this was a gift that God gave me. And, um, I guess he gave me it for a reason. I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. But yeah, it's like family, um, breaking financial curse curses and really it all comes back to believing in the vision no matter how hard or how bad it gets i still believe i still believe when most people don't i might feel like giving up but that faith and that belief is what's going to keep me going it don't matter how good or how bad i feel that faith is going to make me get back to it you know what i mean and that's yeah. what i've been I've been using that to fuel me, to to be the fuel. Yeah, to no keep doubt. Going, you know, the 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 faith, the the belief, for sure. That's great. Yeah, that's that's great, man. You know, you it's almost cliche, right? Oh, you know, you don't ever quit. You know, don't don't give up. Don't give up. But but yeah, man. It, you know, it, it's a, it's a real thing, man. Sometimes as an artist, you know, you, you just. You go through those moments, man. That those those, uh, those roller coaster rides, where you're on highs and lows. Ah, you know, I don't know if this is working out. I don't know if this is worth it. Oh yeah, hell yeah, this is great, you know. And then, but I think you're you're starting to see the fruits of your labor, right, brother? I, you know. Oh yeah, man. Shit, it, it all it all came. Uh, 2021 after I dropped Silver Two Babies is when, that's my first year, just living off of music solely like no side jobs or no illegal stuff not like i'm some crazy criminal but no illegal stuff <laughs> just music you know and um it all happened that it all happened that year and it's crazy because i'm not really like religious i've always been spiritual but like it's i'll tell you about that time like like i said you're you i wanted to do all those things that i just explained and it was getting really, really, really hard around that time. And I, <clears throat> I really wanted to, I didn't want to quit. I gave myself five years to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I've been going really hard and being relentless. That five years started in 2020. Okay. And I've been going relentless. And um, I told myself, because my mom is a little older, I told myself, all right, I'm going to work five years to succeed with rap. If it doesn't work in five years, then 
I'll get a nine to five and I'll still rap. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll be having it balanced and I'll be having it. I'll, I'll still rap, but I'll probably be more focused on like video music videos and, um, probably like music and content. I'll be more focused on the internet than like traveling or touring, you know? Yeah. But I feel like that's a step back and that's, a, that's like settling. And that's the last thing I want to do, you know? But like I told you, I want my mom to be at peace when, when she's older. So mm-hmm. I never really felt like out of all the years of rapping, I never really felt like this, I guess, um, I guess you could say desperate or like down or low or rock bottom. I never felt that out of the, all these years of rapping, I never felt that low or, or, or down or out, you know? Uh-huh. And I was like, damn, I gotta make it happen. I don't, I don't, I don't, I gotta make it happen. I don't care how hard I gotta work. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much I, I, I can't sleep. I gotta make it happen because I don't wanna go back to nothing regular. I want this to be it. For sure. And um, I actually, I actually talked to God, which is crazy. And I won't give God a name. I'm not gonna call him Buddha or, or anything like that. Like, I just know that there's a higher power, but I did actually talk to God mm-hmm. and I told God, I said, if I made a deal with God actually, which is crazy. Oh. I told God, I said, if you help me succeed and you help me do what I want to do, you help me break this generation of curse, help me give my mom a house and, and you help me make my dreams come true. I promise you that I'm going to do positive with my success. And with my influence, mm. regardless of what my message is and my music, if you give me power and you give me wealth, I promise that I'll do good for the people mm. and I'll do good with my influence and I'll do something that'll leave a, a positive impact on the world or on my community at the very least. Yeah. I was like, if you give me the power, I'll do some of your work in a sense. Mm. If you give me the power, I'll bless some people for you and we'll make it, we'll make it trade like that. And I, and I, I said that, and that was like, probably like, um, that was January and February, my album came out two months ago. No, this was in uh, the beginning of 2021. Okay. So I, oh, yeah. I said that like a month before silver two babies came out mm-hmm. and I, I, I talked to God. And, um, I made that deal and I put it on the table one month before it came out and I spent all of my money, every single thing to make the vinyls, to make the CDs, to throw the release party. That was everything like the last of my money. I think that's really why I was that, that desperate or feeling that down, you know, because I literally had nothing to make that album come out. And when the album came out the first day, the release party, the first day it came out, I already like got my money back. I was already in the green. I already doubled it. 200 people showed up. I sold a lot of CDs. I pretty much sold out of my vinyls within the first like two to three days of having them. And uh, like two or three days before the, 
before the actual event, I just started getting phone calls. And before this time, I never charged to like perform. But I said, it's time I got to charge and perform, you know? <laughs> so they were calling me up and they were like, hey, we want you to do this. And I was like, this much. And they're like, no problem. And I was like, what? And my phone was blowing up. Damn. I, I was legitimately probably for like, probably for like two weeks, I was getting like two or three phone calls, maybe four or five phone calls a day. And they're all either paid for paid performances or like um, paying me for features. And I made the most money I ever made in my life the very next month after talking to God wow. about, about doing that. Mm. That most money I made in my life, I made it in that, like in like 30 days from releasing that album. And I was like, damn, that can't be a coincidence, you know? No. No. So ever since, ever since then, I've been um, keeping a good relationship, and I, I, I'm more, I'm more confident than ever because I feel like it's not me alone. The universe is behind this as well. Yeah, there's higher powers behind this as well. Like, it's not me just being a human or just being the person doing it. Like, there's a higher power and there's a there's a real vehicle behind me. So. You know, nothing is above that. Nothing can stop that. So I feel like the only thing I could do is succeed. If I stay true to my word and I do what I said I was going to do, all I can do is succeed. There's, I, I feel like the, the, I might be crazy, but I feel like failure isn't even, it's not even in my future. It's not even on the table. And that's because I'm not standing alone. That's, that's really why I feel that way, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been crazy. It's been deep. It's been it's been really good. It's been it's a good year, man. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. Yeah, that's uh, gosh, you know, it, 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 do you ever think like, wow, you know, if only I had made this deal, you know, or t had this conversation with God, you know, I don't know, five years ago or eight years ago. Do you ever think like that, or do you just feel like it was just it was that was the time that it was supposed to happen. You know, it just, everything, it fell into place when it was supposed to fall into place. Sometimes I feel that way, but I feel like everything happens the way it's supposed to happen for sure. Cause like going back to like my, my upbringing in this hip hop, I was really, really super. The reason why like people say I rep Fresno so much and I, I really do. And I do love it. It, it what molded me, mm -hmm. um, it's what raised me, it's my foundation, it's what gave me everything I need to succeed. But the reason it's really like that, one of the main reasons it's like that is because I was really localized for a lot of years. I was only doing, I was doing shows like, it probably took me probably like eight years of doing a bunch of Fresno shows. Uh -huh. And Central California shows probably for like eight years straight, but relentless. I never took a break with rap. Like since I started rapping since 13, like every month I've, I've, I pick up the, I write a rhyme at least every month. Like I never missed a month without writing a rhyme. You know what I mean? Yeah. So relentlessly, I was like putting in work out here in Fresno for so many years. 
and I wanted to get out to LA sooner. I wanted to get out to the Bay sooner or our other states or whatever it, it may be or overseas, but I didn't and it wasn't happening. But when I started going to LA, I was already, I really, I already mastered live performing. I already mastered breath control, crowd control. Mm-hmm. Um, I already mastered vocal projections. I, I, I went, when I first came to LA, like the first impressions was like a seasoned, flawless, legendary, like vet. Like, um, it was like perfection and shit. Like when I came out there, I was already ready and, and I was going crazy. I was just, when I first came out, I would do like, let's say I had a show like on Friday. Uh-huh. I'll do my show and I would stay an extra day Saturday and I'll go on Eventbrite or I'll go on hashtags or Instagrams. I'll look for any underground LA event and I'll show up first and I would wait. And usually they open the mic up early or at the very end. So I'll just wait. <laughs> and if they open the mic up, I'll go yoink. And I'll be like, what? Motherfucker, what? And um, I just went in crazy. I was like a shark in the water waiting for his meal. And um, as soon as I seen a small window of opportunity, I, I kicked and I knocked the doors down. And Nice. I was so seasoned and so many years under my belt that it just seemed like, damn, people would be like, who the hell is this? Where did this guy come from? Like, where the fuck have you been? Like, you came in here crazy. You came in here, you obliterated everything in 30 seconds. Like, you just blew everything out the water. Like, who the hell are you? And I was getting a lot of shows like that. But if I would have came if it would have happened sooner, I probably would have been underdeveloped mm. or I probably would have not been on that, that level of rhyming, you know? Gotcha. And, um, first impressions are everything. So I would have came off as mediocre mm. or I would have came off as, you know, not good. And you're not going to get a call back like that. <laughs> you uh, know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to get a sh- uh, offer back like that. So everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. Uh, you're a huge, uh, proponent, you know, of, of a huge believer of the law of attraction, right? Yeah. What, what do you have to say, Wicks, about, uh, you know, some say, oh, it's a pseudoscience. Some say it's it's not legit. You know, what, you know, so there's, there's, there's opponents of it, right? Detractors. What, what do you have to say about that, man? You know, because I, like I said, you're a huge believer in the law of attraction. You've had experiences with it. And you're, like I said, you're a big supporter of it and believer. So talk a little bit about those things, man. I'll talk about, well, the law of attraction I just got into too recently, but the reason I put a lot of faith behind that Mm -hmm. basically stems through manifestation. Like I'll tell you, I'll go into this quick story because I I say it a lot. So I'll try to give you the, the shorter version, but. The first show I ever went to ever of all time was um, Planet Asia and KRS-One at Fresno State. Mm. And KRS-One, he was doing a lecture in the daytime and a show at night. So I I, I did school. I went to the lecture, <laughs> checked it out. And then I, I waited in, around the campus. I hung around the campus till it was showtime. 
and I was making sure that I was like first in line and I'm happy I was because they only let like a very small amount of people in. So I got to get in there and uh, they open up a cypher at the end of the set and everybody's rapping, KRS is rapping and all of the local MCs are rapping and I was the youngest person there. I was like 16 and um, a lot of people were like passing the mic over me or skipping me, you know? Yeah. I Right then and there, I was 16 and I immediately seen how competitive uh, hip hop was. Like compared to everyone over there, I was like a toddler. Like uh -huh. so on hip hop, you know, someone will step on a toddler's forehead to get to the top. Like oh, oh yeah. everybody, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be that guy. So they were like, trying to skip me in the cypher. And I wish I knew who he was, but this older dude, older cat, he said, oh, I see you want to rap, little homie. Next time they pass me the mic, I'm going to rap, then I'm going to give it to you. Oh, wow. So he rapped, and he passed me the mic. And like I said, just like how when I came out to, like, the underground LA scene, he passed me the mic, and I obliterated that shit. And oh, everybody, shit. I was like a little kid, so everybody was like, damn. Who the hell is this little ass kid? Like, whose nephew is this? And I went crazy and um. You weren't nervous or anything? You weren't like, you just got nah, just, just You out. know, it's crazy. When I was younger, I, I didn't overthink anything. I, I started overthinking and overanalyzing later on in life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when I was younger, I would just react. Yeah. And I wasn't really like fearful of a lot of things at all. Like, it's crazy. You think it'd be like the other way around. When you're younger, you'd be more fearful. And when you're older, you would be more careless. But it was the opposite for me. So when I first started ever rapping, I was, I didn't start off in the studio. I was rapping like at school in the ciphers or I was rapping um, on the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was rapping in the neighborhood. Like I, I didn't have a studio when I first started rapping. I started rapping for the crowd, for the people. Like, I started off as a performer before a recording artist. And you were so recording, I'm sorry, brother. You know what you just made me think of, man, about your story, is you, start, you started recording on karaoke machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, maybe we could, you know, delve into that a little bit, but, but go ahead, brother. I'll get to that, I'll get to that, I'll get to that for <laughs> sure. Um, after that KRS show, mm -hmm. KRS, his wife, because he was told his wife, she said, um, did you get a book? And I said, no, nah, I didn't get a book. And she goes, oh, we'll give you one. All right. And um, I walked by where the green room was, and I was just going to, like, wait outside for them to give me the book. And she said, no, it's cool. Come in here. And I was like, oh, all right. And then I went in there. KRS went. He gave me game for, like, he gave me knowledge and wisdom. And he told me his, his story about being um, like homeless and uh, rapping and pursuing his dream and how he met Scotland Rock in the shelter. And he said all those things, but the one thing he said that I remembered the most that stuck with me is he said, one day I'm gonna be on the stage and I'm gonna pass you the mic. And um, I was kind of starstruck, I guess, or just shocked to be in that room. So <laughs> I don't remember a lot of what he was saying, but I remember that part. And I, I didn't even know the um, theory of manifestation. I didn't even know what manifestation was. I didn't even know it existed. Uh -huh. But I don't know if he did it intentionally, but 
he subconsciously planted that seed in my head. Mm. And I started thinking to myself, damn, the first thoughts were, damn, that was crazy. I wonder if that's ever going to happen. And then my second thoughts were, damn, that would be tight if that happened. And my third thoughts were, what do I got to do to make that happen? How am I going to make that happen? Is he going to, do I got to get big enough to be on a festival? On the same festival as him? What do I got to do to make that happen? And uh, immediately after that day, I took, I already took rap serious, but I took rap way more serious on a whole nother level after that day, after that show, because the energy I felt in the crowd and, and the fun it looked like they were having on stage and the energy they were getting from the crowd, I was like, wow, this is dope. This is amazing. And this is what they do for a living. Wow. And um, I want to do this for a living. Like, I don't want this to be a hobby. This, this is tight to live off this and eat off this. But yeah, he told me that and I kept, I'll think about it. I'll dream about it. I kept trying to come up with plans and working towards it. And five years later, he came back to Fresno and he had a show. And I snuck into that show because it was 21 and over. I think I was like 19 or something. <laughs> and um, I snuck in there with one of the homies. Shout out to the homie uh, Irv. He was a vendor, so I carried some boxes and stuff. Oh, there you go. And, um, <laughs> so he does the same thing at the end of the show. He he goes, um, all the fr- whoever opened up, like, come to the stage. We're going to rap. And I was walking. I was hanging out with all the local rappers because... I've been a part of my scene since I was a kid. And they're like, they're like, come with us. Where's she going up there? And I was like, all right, cool. So I walk with them and I walk down these stairs and I see KRS's wife. And uh, she says, hey, you. And I was like, you remember me? And she's like, of course I do. And I thought that was crazy. Then I walk on the stage and KRS see me and he's like, what's up, man? And I go, you remember me? And he's like, of course I do. And I was just kind of shocked about that. But the cypher started, KRS-One's Hype Man rap, then KRS-One rap, and I rapped third, and KRS is the one that p- passed me the mic that day. Wow. Yeah, that's where it all started. That's where it all started. And um, ever since then, I planted different seeds, like having a mural in my hometown. I planted seeds like... Um, Actually, going to the LA scene was a manifestation. Going out there, getting my name up there, and climbing up that ladder. And I, I got a lot of love out there right now. Like, I just did a release show out there, and it was a really good turnout. It was like pretty packed. So, that was another one that happened. Wow. Um, going on these little, getting out of California, going to Portland, going to Washington. That was, I wanted to go, go out of state. So I planted a bunch of seeds since then, you know? And the reason I believe in manifestation is because if it happened one time, that could be a coincidence. Or I could have got lucky. Mm-hmm. But if it happened two times, then I'm really lucky. If it happened four, five, six times, I don't think you could get lucky six times, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, 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 at some point, there can't be some, like, it can't be, it can't, it can't be bullshit if it keeps happening over and over and over and over. People might think that it's bullshit because it's not an overnight process. 
That's why they think it's bullshit because Love they that. can't say, I manifest this, I want this, I'm gonna make this happen. And tomorrow it happens, like it's not gonna work that way. That's why people really believe that it's bullshit. But mm. if you keep your vision and you keep your faith and you keep working and you don't slow down, no matter how how difficult or how bad or what's going on in your life, you just tunnel vision and relentless, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. And I think you can do anything you want. As long as you keep your eye on the goal and you keep moving in that direction, it don't matter if it's a hundred miles away, eventually you're going to get there if you don't stop mm. and you keep moving in that direction. You know what I mean? You're going to get there. The finish line doesn't move. You move. The finish line stays in the same place. The finish line might be a hundred miles away, a thousand miles away. Wow. That's going to stay there. The only thing that moves is you. And you could choose to keep moving towards that finish line, or you could choose to stop and take a five-year, 10-year, 20-year break. And that finish line didn't move. You, cho you chose to stop. Yeah. Or you could choose to fuck up and go backwards and go back to square one and, and, and take yourself somewhere negative, going to red. The finish line don't move. You move. And the only way I want to move is up. Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't allow myself to go backwards or, or, or to get stuck. Because I know that the finish line, whether it takes me 100 years, no matter how many years it takes, it's, it's always going to be in the same position. Every day I work towards it, I get closer. You know, that's the way I look at life. Man, I love that, Wicks. Man, I love that, brother. You're an inspiration, Wicks. You're an inspiration, brother. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah. It's been getting deeper, man. I've been, I bought a book and I've been writing down manifestations. I just write down like characteristics. Like I write down like, I am iconic, I am legendary. I write down the promises I made to God, like when, when, when I succeed, I promise I'll do good with my influence. I promise that I'll help the community. I, I promise that I'll help the youth or whatever, whatever, whatever promises I made, I'll, I'll write them down on paper. I write down all the characteristics that I like, I want to be or embody. And I, I'll just say like, you know, I am, I am iconic. I am legendary. I am great. Yes. I'm not flawless. I am. I'll just write those words down. Affirmations. That Like, that's exactly what I am. Mm -hmm. I embody. I embody what I want to become. I embody. I embody what I strive for. Right. And, um, yeah, I wrote. I wrote before my last two shows because they were, like, really, really uh, important to me. Like, two of my last shows. I did my release show in LA and I was writing like, I hope this sounds flawless. I was writing like, I was writing on all these things. Like, I hope there's a yeah. good turnout. I hope it's a great performance. I was writing down all these things and they all, the more I feel like my, my manifestations are my law of attractions. For some reason they're moving faster than ever. I think, cause I've been doing this so long. Yeah. The more, the more belief and the more, Faith, the more power you have, you know? And before my last two shows, I was writing a bunch of things that actually all happened. 
Wow. You know, yeah. I, I literally like wrote the day before the show or two days before the show, how I wanted it to go like on stage, the turnout, the feeling and, and all of it came to life, you know, mm. like 24 hours later and shit. But yeah, it's been good. I want to, I, I just started the law of attraction um, with the first thing that I put out as far as the law of attraction goes is the album cover of my new album, uh, The Arrival. The Arrival, yeah, it's a limo. Yeah, it's like, there's a limo, yeah, on a red carpet, yeah. yeah and man. I want to, I want to turn that animation into a real picture. Definitely, man, definitely. I want to be inside of that limo. I want to be in front of that red carpet. And uh, when when it happens, I'm gonna take a picture of the real limo, and the real red carpet, and the real the real photographers flashing the pictures. Then I'm gonna put it next to my album cover, and I want that to be I want that to be solidified proof that this is real. Yeah. If I think my destiny in life was to figure out this life hack that I figured out. I really think my calling was to figure it out and prove it to be real because if this is real, that means everybody that came up from poverty or no matter what your circumstances, if you really work for it and you really want it and you really believe and you walk through the fire to get there, you're going to get there. And that's powerful that if, all of these things that I'm practicing are real. It could change and it could save hundreds of yeah. thousands and millions of lives. It could change lives, you know, and um, if I, if I could plant the seed, I could help someone change their life for the better. I think that's really the purpose of being alive. You know what I mean? To make people feel joy and uh, to help guide people in the right direction. I think that's why we're all here is to point people in the right direction and try to make people happy. But yeah, I think that's my purpose was to figure out this life hack and teach the game to like the inner city youth or not just anybody in general, anyone and everyone could use this. Yeah. It doesn't matter what class you come from. No, yeah. no. Yeah. But I just, I'm here to, I'm just here to let people know that that dreams are real, you know, and things are possible. No doubt, brother. I feel like that's why I'm here. That's that's what I came, I came to that realization re recently is just to prove to people that things are possible. That's my mission in life, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Wicks, man, you, you, yeah, I appreciate you, man. You're definitely an inspiration to all of us, man. We're up on time here, man. I, uh, before we go, brother, I want to ask you, to, to please plug where we can find your music, your social media, websites, all that good stuff, brother. You can find me on Instagram at MC underscore W-I-C-K-S underscore 559. That's MC underscore Wix underscore 559. My YouTube is Wix MC. I got my music on all platforms under MC Wix. If you rock with Bandcamp, rock with me on Bandcamp. I love that platform, mcwix.bandcamp.com. And on Bandcamp, I got a few exclusive albums that that aren't on um, Apple or Spotify. You know what I mean? There's, there's. Yep. If you're a true MC Wix fan and you listen to everything and you want more, Bandcamp has it for you. You know what I mean? 
But man, I appreciate you. Thank you for everything, man. Oh man, I, I talked a lot. I talked of a storm, man. Hopefully, hopefully nah, I'm entertaining for y'all, man. But I'm passionate about that. I could talk about that stuff forever, man. Thank you for having me, man. Anytime, brother. You're always welcome here. You know, profile pod alumnus. So we're family now, brother. I mean, I mean, you were on uh, before with the with the street the spot interview we did a few months back there at the uh, Rolling B&B event in Monterey yeah. Park. But uh, finally, we got you on for a full length episode, man. And any way I can continue to support you, man, I, I, I'll do that. I appreciate you for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, MC Wicks out of Fresno, California. Go check him out. Go find his music. Go listen. If you haven't already, you need to do that, man. His album has just dropped a couple months ago, The Arrival. It's hot. It's banging. It's, it's amazing. So go check it out, man. MC Wick, thanks again, brother. Appreciate you, man. Love, peace, peace. All, all the time, brother. Uh, there you have it. MC Wicks, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Double A. Thank you once again for tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from, on Roku, on all the platforms, wherever. Don't forget to leave me a, a rate and review. Follow me on Instagram. All that good stuff. Go follow MC Wicks. I mean, go check out his music. You will not be disappointed. So, for MC Wicks, I'm Double A. Once again, I will see you guys next time right here on the Profile Pod. And always remember to take it easy. Thanks again, brother. You're watching Profile Pod TV with Double A. And always remember to take it easy. Hey everyone, Double A here. Hey, check it out. I am now an ambassador for Ray's Energy Drink. If you're looking for an energy drink that's gonna provide you with maximum stamina, energy, focus, and recovery, do not look any further. Ray's Energy has got you covered. Go to repsports.com, that's R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T-S.com and enter promo code PROFILE to receive 15% off all of your orders. Tell them Double A sent you, and always remember to take it easy.